This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, we kick off 2017 with a discussion about Trident, a new open source storage integrator that works with Kubernetes. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi, Glenn Sizemore, and Sully the Monster. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. It's 2017. We made it an entire year. Um, we've, we've actually been off for like a month. And we're starting 2017 off the right way. We are. I've forgotten how to do everything. Missing a co-host and taking four tries to get started recording. Yeah, I, somebody came in here and monkeyed with the settings and I forgot how to do everything. So I've, I've relearned it. I'm not saying I'm looking at that monkey, but... Uh, I, I would I would say it was me, but then again, I wasn't here to do anything. All right, fair so. enough. <laughs> well, happy 2017. Yeah, happy 2017. Are you still signing your checks with 2016? Who uses checks? This is 2017. I'm old, all right? 1997. Look, <laughs> I like to be in the line in the grocery store getting the dirty looks from people as I write my check out for 87 cents for a pack <laughs> of gum. Yeah. Can you, do you write it over too? Like write it for twenty dollars over, so you can get some cash. I do, yeah. I do. Yeah, pack of smokes. Yeah, welcome to the eighties. <laughs> All right. Um, so twenty seventeen is is off to a smashing start. Um, I'm Justin Parisi, and with me today is Andrew Sullivan. Glenn Sizemore is not here today. He's probably working or something. Um, that guy likes to work. Uh, you know, maybe that was one of his New Year's resolutions. Maybe it was. Uh, my news resolution was to actually have a podcast episode for the first week of January, and, and here it is. So we're going to do it. We're going to do this. Um, are we going to do like the, the New Year's resolutions and predictions? We're going to do that? No, we have something far better than that. But what about like celebrity news and Kanye and, and Kardashians and nothing? No? That implies that I know anything about that. Oh, wait. Here we have Garrett Mueller here today. <laughs> He's been here before. Uh, hi, Garrett. Hey, everybody. So what do you know about Kanye and, and Kardashians? Even less than Andrew. Good. Then we won't talk about that. What we will talk about today is uh, tr- uh, Triton. Trident. Trident. Triton's Trident. The, the guy who holds the Trident. Or Poseidon. Or uh, Neptune. Um, <laughs> so Trident. What is this Trident that we're going to talk about? We're going we're to give you a little overview of what that is. We're also going to give you uh, some insight onto what we did over the break here. So let's let's start off with Andrew. So Andrew, what was your break like? Uh, my break was good. I did absolutely nothing, and it was everything I dreamed it could possibly be. Uh, likewise, I didn't really do anything either. Garrett, um, what did you do over the break? Yeah, so I had family over. That was awesome. And uh, we actually picked up a, an HTC Vive over the holidays, and that was a lot of fun. Oh, I highly recommend out, it. Huh? Yeah, you know, I've been into the VR thing for a little while. I got the first Rift dev kit way, way back, back when it literally made everybody vomit. And they've improved it quite a bit <laughs> since then. Um, Either that or you had a very sad household over, <laughs> over the break. Well, you know, it, everybody was kind of standoffish about the thing at first because of the first Rift experience. I'm sure the the newer Rift, I mean, I think it's three or four generations newer now, the one that you can buy today. So, um, yeah, it, I highly recommend it if you haven't tried it out. I think you can head to Microsoft stores and other places as well uh, to to demo it. Check it out for sure. Yeah, we had one at the booth at uh, VMworld EMEA. We had a, a VR thing. I feel like I'm selling it now. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Sorry. No, no payola here. Um, so 
I, I understand you got bit by a horse at some point. Was this over the break? Yeah, I don't like to talk about it. Okay. <laughs> no, actually. So what happened was, so I, I ride horses with my daughter. And uh, what ended up happening is the bridle got caught in its mouth. And my reaction was just to get it out of there. And uh, yeah, stuck my hand in there. So now I have a horse bite on my finger, which is probably pretty unusual. Any casualties for you, Andrew? I managed to survive with only one burn while I was baking over the holiday. So That's pretty good, you know. I, I didn't burn the house down. I didn't catch anything on fire. I didn't just myself. Good. I did a lot of stress eating. <laughs> I, that was my. That was the I only. Got thing I got nothing. Yeah. I mean, whatever. <laughs> All right, um, so we're going to talk about Trident uh, this week, and it, it ties into Kubernetes. And uh, we actually had an episode of the Tech on Tap podcast last year, uh, episode 53, where we invited uh, Kelsey Hightower uh, to talk about developer advocacy in Kubernetes. So we're going to extend a little bit with that uh, and talk about uh, what Trident is and how it can tie into Kubernetes. So Andrew or Garrett, who wants to start? Yeah, so I, I can start, and I kind of want to start uh, a little bit before Trident and describe, and I'll let Garrett expand upon it, some changes that have happened at NetApp that I think are critically important, um, particularly as we talk about Trident and the NetApp Docker Volume plugin and some other things that are happening uh, here at NetApp. So first and foremost, um, we've had a, a recent reorganization, and a part of that is creating what we call the Open Ecosystems Team. And this is really an evolution of what was the OpenStack team before, where they focused primarily on Cinder and Manila and other open source project development. And with the Open Ecosystems team, it's had a broadened focus as well as some increased manpower, where now we're able to focus on things like desired state configuration management tools. So things like Puppet, Chef, Ansible, uh, Microsoft DSC, right? all of these other open source tools, as well as taking the NetApp Docker volume plugin, officially incorporating it into all of the internal NetApp processes. But we're also able to take things like Trident and turn it into something that previously may not have been possible. So with all of that being said, right, the good news is that, well, we now have a team that is officially focused on creating, contributing, and managing NetApp open source projects, right? And not just at the engineering level, but at the uh, leadership level. So people like Garrett, Garrett's our technical director for open ecosystems. Uh, myself, I am a TME for open ecosystems, right? And then there's a number of other supporting roles that all contribute into what's happening inside of there. So the great news is that means that for our customers, for any of our partners, for anybody who's looking for NetApp participation in open source projects, as well as NetApp created, NetApp open sourced projects, right? All of that is happening and it's happening very quickly and with uh, a lot of interest and a lot of support inside of the company. Yeah, I think those are all really good points. In fact, uh, I would encourage anybody who's interested in, you know, reaching out to us and finding out what it's more about to, to check out netapp.io, right? The pub is uh, something we released uh, middle to late last year. Uh, around this this new organization, but also just kind of uh, new mentality around you know open source projects, uh, open source development, uh, and also reaching out to the actual practitioners because we we do a good job I think at NetApp of traditionally of reaching out to storage administrators, uh, reaching out to uh, you know uh, storage buyers, people that are thinking about storage as infrastructure uh, that they need to you know to uh, to buy and enable within their environments. We don't do it, we haven't done traditionally as good of a job at uh, reaching out to the people that are actually doing the work, right? Uh, actually putting together our storage platforms, but also, you know, 
integrating new technologies and new solutions on top of them, using open source tools and things like that. So uh, this is uh, this is our big effort to to reach out to the community and and bring everybody into the fold and and, and build a, a large group of people, both internal to NetApp and external to NetApp, uh, that can all work to you know work on these problems together. Yeah, and you know, one of the first manifestations of that was the Docker Volume plugin, of course. But uh, you know, also at Insight, for example, we had you know the Developer Cafe, uh, where anybody could come up and talk to literally developers for these open source projects. Uh, but not only that, right? It's it's a bit of a mind shift inside of or, or for our consumers as well as for our developers to operate in an open source environment. You know, I, I talk with customers and about the Docker volume plugin or now about Trident and it's, oh, well, we'd like to be able to do this. Well, great. Go on to GitHub and file an issue. And if if you're feeling froggy, go ahead and write the code and, and submit it and we'll do a review. And, you know, uh, if, it, if it works, then, you know, certainly incorporate it into the project. So taking that uh, uh, or shifting that mindset, I think, is something that is uh, happening very, very well, right? Surprisingly well, actually. Um, but I think that's also part of the heritage and part of the great work that the OpenStack team uh, used to be able, or used to do, still continues to do, but now with a broadened scope. Yeah, absolutely. I think what companies are starting to increasingly realize is there is a core business that they that they actually want to monetize. And then there's also other parts of of work that are necessary and need to be done, but are not necessarily things that you want to monetize. And a lot of that stuff ends up in open source projects that you know don't get well maintained, and they're just kind of one offs that are out there. Uh, what we're looking for are our, our first class, first tier projects like the NDVP and Trident are going to be maintained by us, uh, you know, with support from us long term. But they're actually going to, you know, we're, we're looking for community help as well because, like I said, with those projects, their integrations with larger communities, larger ecosystems, um, they help enable you to use our products even better than you could use them before, you know, more easily. And that's really the goal rather than trying to sell you something. Yeah, I, I want to point out, and this is a conversation I actually had right before the break with a customer around, you know, the NetApp Docker Volume plugin, even Trident, they are not something that we are selling, right? They're open source projects. They're not a reason most frequently that a customer is going to choose a NetApp storage platform, right? They're still choosing ONTAP because of ONTAP features or SolidFire because of SolidFire features, right? It comes down to consumption, right? Being able to use those storage resources, how you need them, when you need them, where you need them, with the minimal amount of friction, which is Josh's favorite favorite way to describe DevOps, right? Removing friction. So all of that being said, right, just before the holiday, literally, I think it was December 24th. It may have been, no, the 24th was a Saturday. So it was the 23rd. 23rd, yep. We pushed Trident up to GitHub. So it is now officially available. It is a publicly... Uh, accessible repository. And Trident is something that is super exciting, not just for us, but for pretty much everybody that we have talked to about it. It's pretty brave to push something up on the day before Christmas Eve and the week off. You know, we like to call it YOLOing into production. <laughs> it was YOLO! <laughs> it was our Christmas gift to everybody that had been waiting for it. That's good. Yeah, so in a nutshell, and uh, again, I will let Garrett elaborate, Trident is an open source storage orchestrator that has multiple front end plugins for doing things like provisioning back end storage resources using a REST interface. But really, the front end plugin that everybody's interested in is Kubernetes. So, with Kubernetes 1.4, they introduced some new persistent storage paradigms or, or primitives, I should say, 
that allow us to define a storage provisioner inside of Kubernetes. We can use Trident as that storage provisioner. So what that means is that with Trident, we can go in and we can define classes of storage, so things like gold, silver, bronze, paper, cardboard, plastic, whatever that happens to be, and then introduce those storage tiers, those storage levels into Kubernetes as persistent storage offerings. So from an application perspective, Kubernetes application perspective, they go in, they simply file a persistent volume request, just like they always have. Kubernetes manages seeing that request and then putting it forth to any of the storage provisioners that are available. Trident takes that and then matches it against its available storage backends. So what is a storage backend? In this case, we cheated and we just leveraged Docker volume plugins. Now, this is a bit of a misnomer, right? Yes, it's a Docker volume plugin, just because we're reusing that code in order to do the storage object, right? LUN, NFS, export, et cetera, management. So things like create it, destroy it. Uh, but in reality, what it's doing is orchestrating that management, those storage management operations across any of the available backends. And that includes ONTAP as well as SolidFire, the two that we have tested on day one. Yeah, that's right. So uh, what's interesting is, is what the way, one of the ways that's put together, right? So we actually are delivering it uh, currently as a Kubernetes pod. So what you do is you'll actually go and download the, uh, the installer. The installer uh, will pull down its own containerized installer, right? And then actually go ahead and build a small uh, deployment for Trident, which is both uh, the Trident software itself as well as an etcd, single node etcd cluster. What's really funny actually is, so that etcd cluster has to be, has to has its own storage, it has to be stored somewhere. Um, and we realized we're creating this dynamic provisioner and um, we had this base requirement that you needed to have provisioned something first before you can enable dynamic provisioning. So you, you end up in this weird kind of situation where we, have to we, would, we thought we would have to describe for each of our platforms how to provision one volume once <laughs> in order to support Trident so that you never had to do it again. But luckily we were able to figure out a way to bootstrap uh, the creation of a volume automatically using Trident itself as part of the installer. So the installer is a, it seems, might seem a little bit I mean, it's actually really easy to use, but the the back and forth of it is a little bit compli more complicated than it probably seems like it needs to be, but that's to bootstrap the etcd process. So it's actually really cool. Um, once it stands up, then what it does is, is kind of unique in the dynamic provisioning space. One, it's one of the first dynamic provisioners. There really aren't that many. Um, but also, it's, an, it's I, I believe, the first official dyna external dynamic provisioner. So... Um, what that means is that it actually, it doesn't, it's not part of the Kubernetes code. It's not upstream when in Kubernetes. It sits outside, communicates with the API server, and listens for persistent volume claims. So PVCs are what, applica what application consumers file with Kubernetes in order to ask for a persistent volume. So we can watch those go by, and then when, when we see one of ours, uh, something that we could actually create a volume for, we, we see the request, we know exactly what they want and that we actually provision exactly what they want and it create a PV for it. And that PV gets consumed and then Kubernetes will go ahead and mount the storage we just created. So it's it's a really nifty way to do it. I think probably the more Kubernetes way to do it long-term than any kind of upstream provider would be, right? Because really you don't want the Kubernetes process itself to, to 
to grow uh, to be too large. You kind of want it to be a, a proper API server just managing its own resources. You don't want all these other things outside coming into it and becoming part of the Kubernetes process, you know, Kubernetes proper. Instead, you'd rather have all of these things plugging into the API server and then, you know, creating like the storage class objects and the PVs and things like that um, on its behalf. And that we've talked to the Kubernetes guys, the core Kubernetes folks, and, and they all really love the approach too. So we're really excited about it. I mean, there's a ton of stuff you can do with it. The basic stuff is provisioning storage, but there's a whole lot more. Yeah, and I think it's important to point out kind of what I was mentioning before of this is the first version, right? Mm -hmm. It's an open source project. I, I know you, I have both been asked about hundreds of other features around things that people are interested in, right? One of the most frequent ones is... Uh, you know, how can I put a quota on the amount of a particular uh, uh, storage backend, right, that gold, silver, bronze, or even dedicated backend definition for a particular tenant, right? All of these things are things that we're, of course, aware of, but ultimately it's, it's an open source project, which means that we are opening or operating, rather, completely in the open. So if these are things that you want to see, right, file an RFE, right, vote against those things, right, contribute code. We would love to have, right, all of these types of things uh, where it's not just you know, the, the open ecosystems team contributing to that because ultimately we know that, that people want these features, right? And the faster that that can happen, the better. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, in that one example you brought up, a very common one um, is uh, I want to be able to control the amount of space that I can hand out to an individual tenant or, or something like that. Um, in fact, Kubernetes supports this already. Um, one of the blog posts we're going to need to do real soon is going to describe how that works. So there's resource limits, and you can apply those resource limits uh, on top of namespaces, which you can think of namespaces as like projects. Um, so you can actually buy project team usually. Um, is usually how people, you know, provision it. Um, forgive the use of over over provisioning or provisioning. <laughs> um, you can go ahead and, uh, and and specify either a size limit or a number of PVs uh, that that namespace can consume. So um, that's just the basics right now. If we were going to extend that further, we'd probably do it upstream in Kubernetes. And yeah. I think that's a, a, a great set of uh, potential you know, future work. Yeah, so you mentioned blog posts. Um, so mm -hmm. the first blog post that was published, which was sort of the announcement, uh, went up on netapp.io. So super easy to find, netapp.io slash, slash blog. Uh, if you have questions, right, if you're interested in more, uh, be sure to check out not only the comments in the blog, right, we, we of course monitor those, also, the Slack channels, right, netapp.io slash Slack. Uh, anybody can get an invite into the Slack channels, right? Come and talk to us about any of the uh, projects that NetApp has going on. And there is literally developers, right, engineers that are writing the code that sit in those Slack channels. So uh, we're always happy to get interaction from the community, from anybody who, who wants to know more information. And then uh, there's some other things that are that are being worked on in the background, right? Of course, go to GitHub, right? GitHub.com slash NetApp slash Trident is where this particular project is at. Uh, use the issue tracker to, you know, submit requests, to submit information, right? All that type of stuff. And, uh, you know, of course, reach out to us directly. Um, any of us through the Open Ecosystems uh, team are, are available and happy to uh, help wherever we can. Yeah, absolutely. And I would be remiss if I didn't shout out to the people that were responsible for this. So uh, Ardalan Kangaroo and Chris Draga uh, did all the heavy lifting for Trident itself. Um, of course, getting it out the door just before Christmas was a, a huge team effort. There was uh, a number of us, including Rippy, uh, Andrew, and uh, 
both Andrews, actually. We have an Andrew duplication problem right now. <laughs> I mean, continuing, I shouldn't say right now. That sounds awful. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and, and Clinton, and, and uh, I think I've gotten everybody. Um, even Josh, you know, kind of like... <laughs> even Josh. He snuck, he snuck in at one point and chatted with us for a little bit. So, um, yeah, it was a little bit of a war room effort that last week. We just, every, every day we sat in for a few hours and always had a lot more to do before we actually got it out there than we thought we would. But it's there. So are there plans to integrate with other orchestrations, such as like Mesos or any of the other uh, things that are similar to Kubernetes? So I, I will say that have we dreamt about being able to do that? Sure. Um, right now, it's focused on getting base functionality done, right, and incorporating those things. Uh, again, community contributions are a huge, uh, huge part of that. Um, so as I mentioned before or, or kind of uh, earlier, uh, Trident has two interfaces right now. Um, there's a third one that we are, are working on getting released. Um, so the two are, of course, Kubernetes integration, the other one being a RESTful interface. So really anything that has or can consume a REST API can provision storage and consume storage based off of what Trident is doing. Um, so if that's interesting, if that's something that your project wants to take advantage of, again, check out GitHub, right? The documentation there is is pretty thorough on how to get up and running and how to introduce those storage backends and, and all of that other stuff inside of there. So what was the rationale for choosing Kubernetes? Like, was, it, was there any sort of uh, thought behind that? Like, you know, what, what sort of things drove you towards that? So really, the biggest thing is it's extremely popular, right? We have had more requests for Kubernetes integration than we have anything else. And it, it's both Kubernetes directly, right, just plain vanilla Kubernetes, as well as things built on top of Kubernetes, the most frequent one being OpenShift. Uh, you know, Garrett, I don't know if you have anything, any other driving factors behind that. I mean, one of the, yeah, uh, in addition to the fact that Kubernetes is so popular, the, the other one is that uh, it, it's interesting, in some ways, Kubernetes storage support is a lot more mature than, like, native Docker, um, some other container orchestration solutions and in some ways it's you know far inferior and one of those ways was provisioning right so for like with native docker for example you can do docker volume create you can you can specify a bunch of options and go and so on and so forth um, all that kubernetes had for us prior to this integration is mounting support so you'd have to pre-create your all your volumes you had to pre-create your pvs um, you basically had to guess what your consumers would want right so imagine an environment where um, I think I've, I'm going to have a bunch of people come in asking for, you know, a 10 gigabyte volume. Maybe I'll get five of those. Maybe I'll get five 50 gigabyte requests. So I'll go ahead and make five tens and five fifties. And three people come in with one gigabyte re requests, and we we grab uh, three tens. <laughs> so we're wasting a ton of space, right? For one, uh, somebody comes in with a 60 gigabyte request. I can't take a 50 and a 10 and put it together. It's just not the way it works. So you know, I can't meet that request, even though I probably have plenty of storage to do that. So there's just some basic operations issues with doing it prior to having dynamic provisioning that this resolves. I mean, I think that's what gets most people excited. We talked to people in Berlin about it. They were super excited. Some of our customers is it's just they're already managing storage and they're doing it manually and it sucks, right? Until you have dynamic provisioning in place. All right, so Trident sounds pretty cool. Sounds like you get the, the ball rolling there for people to start looking at it and kicking the tires a little bit. Is there anything else that you guys want to talk about in terms of you know, what we're bringing to the table? What sort of you know, events you're gonna be at? Any sort of promotional things you're doing? Uh, Andrew, anything? 
Yeah, so the first thing I want to mention is that, um, you know, Trident is, yes, it's an open source project, but it's not something, you know, I, I alluded to, you know, we just YOLO'd it out there right before the holiday. Um, it's not something that we're just tossing out there and abandoning. Um, you know, we want to have engagement with the community. We want to find, you know, people who are wanting to adopt it, who are willing to work with us and, and willing to contribute back into that environment, uh, what we call Lighthouse customers. So if you are a customer, if you are a, a uh, account team for a customer that you think is a good candidate, reach out to us. Let us know. Um, you know, we're happy to do everything that we can in order to support that particular uh, uh, engagement. So additionally, from a, a sort of collateral or more information type perspective, uh, keep an eye on NetApp.io. Uh, so on the blog there, we'll be posting up things like videos. We've got a couple of videos in the works to showcase that functionality. There's going to be more blogs going out that are describing how to use it, when to use it, where to use it. Uh, from an internal NetApp perspective, right, we've got a bunch of collateral that's being produced. Um, you know, my, my nine to five, the, the job that I get paid for as a TME, right, creating all of those types of things. So all of that stuff is in the works in order to help facilitate the, just the education, right? How this is, how, how it happens, why it happens, where it's important, all those types of things. Whether you're internal to NetApp or external to NetApp, right, if you're one of our customers or partners, feel free to reach out using Slack. Um, that's going to be the fastest way to get sort of real-time interaction with us. And the worst thing that's going to happen is we're going to say, let's take this conversation offline and move it to email or something like that. So, Yay, uh, another Slack channel. <laughs> yes, another another Slack channel. Justin, um, for you, this should be the only Slack channel. <laughs> <sighs> All right, horse whisperer. All right, um, <laughs> you know, I'm not I'm, I'm not sure if I should be impressed with that or a little bit disappointed with how long it took you to think about that because I was watching your face. I you're was like, trying. You're, you're, yeah, you're yeah, cooking something like, up, and it was just like it was slowly making its way up I, into the. I, I was trying to think of something smoke. That's I was trying to. Think <laughs> something, you know. I was trying to think of something clean and radio friendly. <laughs> um, my first instinct was unclean, so I brought it back in. Um, that's my New Year's resolution, to, to be more clean. To clean it up? To clean it up. <laughs> All right. Um, anything else, guys? Anything you want to tell people how to get in touch with you, Garrett? Yeah, you can reach out to me uh, on Twitter-ish if uh, it's energy, I-N-N-E-R-G-Y. But also uh, just email me. It's Mueller at netapp.com, M-U-E-L-L-E-R. All right. And uh, we all know how to get in touch with Andrew. It's really just punching him in the face. Um, it's the easiest way to get in touch with Andrew. You're like four cubicles down from me. You just lob things. I do. Yeah, I do. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast.netapp.com or send us a tweet at NetApp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher or via techcontentpodcast.com. If you like the show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, except for Glenn, and I'd like to thank Garrett Mueller for joining us this week. As always, thanks for listening. Yeah, Trident. Hey, I'll be in Nashville oh, yeah. at the end of the month. Ooh, yeah. You gotta wear a cowboy boots and a, and a ten-gallon hat. Power Show Hackathon. So if anybody, uh, really? anybody will be in Nashville on the thirty-first. We're having a Power Show Hackathon. Ooh, we're at we're at in Nashville because Nashville's kind of big. Uh, it is technically in Franklin oh, yeah. at the Cisco campus. Okay. Franklin, so not Nashville. Franklin, correct. You can't just like, piggyback on big cities just because it sounds cool. Music recording capital of the world.